person, Tracy Black. In just a moment, I'll give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. Um, I personally have been in the trucking industry for nearly 20 years, so I spent most of my time at Daimler Trucks North America, and currently I'm working as an ambassador for CEOX, um, which we're going to tell you about today. So with that, um, Tracy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Tracy Black, 30 years of background in the technology and the logistics supply chain space. Um, I spent most of my leading the technology teams as Senior Vice President of Technology at J.B. Hunt Transport. And now I'm working as a partner for New Road Capital Partners, a private equity company based here in Northwest Arkansas. And New Road has in assets under management, and 50 to 60% of the investments we make out of our fund will be in the logistics supply chain space. The remainder will be in retail, CPG, and healthcare tech. And um, the differentiator for New Road is the expertise that we provide to our portfolio companies post-investment. Uh, we've got a very strong partners. Uh, for example, Chris Altmeyer is uh, was the uh, president of Trans for Walmart, and he's now an operating partner with me in the logistics sector. Um, the other thing that New Road does, we apply a demand-driven um, investment approach. So we use our vast network of contacts throughout Validate that companies that we're considering investing in are solving real problems for enterprise-level customers. Great. Thank you, Tracy. And Luann, how about an introduction from you? Thank you. Yeah, Luann Abrams, and I started out as an aerospace engineer, and I worked in aviation for about 15 years. I worked at a startup aircraft company, um, grew it from when we were under 10 people to over 600 people that was eventually acquired by Cessna Aircraft. After that, uh, that's when I started my foray into venture capital, and what I have run a, a small seed fund here uh, locally in Oregon. And from that is where I came up with the idea of CEOX because I was seeing over and over again how the founding CEOs were being replaced and almost always they were replaced by men, which is not surprising when you look at most VCs are men. and. It's the investors who tend to lead those changes in leadership. And I also dug into some bias issues uh, around hiring men and women. And ultimately, I just wanted to make it easier for venture funds and recruiters to be able to find um, great women who are ready to lead companies so that uh, they have that opportunity and ultimately because because companies that are led by women tend to make more money have higher stock prices create more jobs it's really a great economic incentive to find women to lead these companies so our topic today is driving diversity and for me, it's important because diversity is more than just putting a different candidate in a job. It also means that we're encompassing and respecting all of the things about that person. And so I really want to see for companies to be able to move past just even tolerance that I've brought somebody else in, but really help each individual fulfill their potential in the unique way that they're able to, to live up to and bring value to the overall organization. 
Um, I first experienced my, my first foray into diversity when I was very young, and it was one of my first jobs, and I was living in Ohio at the time. And I worked for a very small company, and the guy that I worked for told me to my face that I basically had the highest job I'd ever get in his company as a woman. And I really took a hard look at that and was very upset and frustrated. And what I realized was, at the time, he used gender as a shortcut. So the problem wasn't that my gender was wrong. The problem was that I didn't have a skill set that led me to a different place. And I took that opportunity to put myself into college and basically started my career into a whole different place. So I feel like it was very upsetting at the time, but I'm very thankful that it happened when I was so young because it launched me into who I am today. Um, so Luann, maybe you can share a story and tell us why diversity is really important to you. I was two months out of college having graduated magna cum laude from the highest ranking aerospace engineering program in the country when I attended my first big business meeting and I walked into a room full of men in suits and I was introduced around and one of the men said, wow, she has great legs. And that was the beginning of consistently and subtly, and sometimes not so subtly in the case of the leg guy, being undermined in the early days of my career. And I don't tell you that to feel sorry for me, because I think it's a very common experience for women, especially when we're younger. And we all just have different versions of that same story. Um, and, and lack of gender diversity isn't just a potential impact on my career or my paycheck, but can, it can actually be a life or death situation. And there are numerous examples I could tell you, but since we're at Freight Waves discussing transportation, I thought it'd be interesting to tell you a little bit about car crashes and some of the data around that. And I have a 17% higher chance of dying in a car crash than a man and a 47% higher chance of being critically injured in a crash than a man. And that has to do with how a car is designed and tested, which is for a man's body. And I can only imagine the disparities in larger vehicles such as semis. So imagine solving for this problem. There's an obvious positive impact for women, right? I'm not going to be as likely to die or be hurt in a car crash. But what is that impact on men? Certainly not losing your wife or your daughter or your mother in a car crash is, is primary. But how does that affect the transportation and the industry as a whole? If you make equipment designed for women that is safe for women, are men just going to be losing their jobs to women? Of course not. Uh, what's happening is that more women can be part of these companies and they will bring unique, differing perspectives and ultimately solutions to big problems. And that allows companies to serve even larger customer bases. It creates more jobs. And then as these women move up through the ranks and take some leadership positions, as I mentioned before, women-led companies and divisions are shown to grow faster and generate more revenue, create more jobs, and that's a huge benefit for everyone. And one more quick example I'll give you. 
uh, one of my fun claims to fame is that I am the warning voice on a couple models of airplanes. And at the time I did this, which has been over 15 years ago, uh, we recorded my voice because I'm a woman and men are more likely to listen to a woman's voice in an emergency. But it never occurred to us to design it for women as well. And I personally know many women pilots and, and at the time we had several women pilots on staff at that company, yet we didn't design at all for the women. And so how does that affect women in an emergency? So again, I just emphasize that, that diversity really is a life or death matter in a lot of situations. And Tracy, do you have a story about diversity and how it personally has impacted you? Diversity to me is not just gender. It's about creating um, a team of employees that have a diverse set of perspectives and ideas, ex experiences, and skill sets, um, because that does lead to more effective teams in terms of problem solving and decision making and higher levels of innovation and just overall better team performance. Um, in my background with technology, you know, I've had to deal with cultural diversity quite a bit. Um, we had teams in India and the Philippines, and there are different language and communication barriers from uh, those teams. So in India, for example, there's a very strong uh, chain of command kind of structure, and lower level employees didn't feel like they had the right to ask questions or voice opinions of higher level leaders. And women in that culture were often more subdued and in the background and, and would not speak out in, in meetings. Um, and another issue we dealt with was body language. Um, in that culture, often uh, people would be saying yes while they were shaking their head no. And team members were getting frustrated because they thought someone had committed to do something when in reality they had never made that commitment. Um, so in that case, we we brought in some cultural diversity training and really just to educate team members about what drove the behaviors that they were seeing and how they could more effectively um, work with the other team members. So, you know, as a leader, you have to be aware of the things that are uh, driving those team performances and, and doing things that you can to help the teams overcome that. Um, you know, also in my experience, there there were unique um, needs of women that sometimes weren't um, understood or appreciated. For example, um, I had a an employee who came back to work after um, having a baby, and she was getting very stressed and frustrated because she was trying to run home during breaks or at lunch to um, pump milk. And, you know, just being aware and listening um, to what those challenges were, we created our first ever mother's room on site. And that led to us being able to keep, a, you know, a happy, engaged, productive employee there. So um, really, as leaders, it's, it's back to Lori's point in the beginning. You have to um, understand, you know, the different places that your employees are coming from and 
um, embrace and support what their different needs are. So I know both of you ladies have prepared some statistics on diversity and things that you, <clears throat> excuse me, that you've learned in the places where diversity really seems to matter most. So uh, Tracy, would you like to continue talking and share some of the statistics you've been able to find? So there, there's lots of studies and reports from McKinsey, Harvard Business Review, Catalyst, there are numerous ones that have data that show real um, outcomes that um, are much better from teams that have um, high diversity in their leadership ranks. They see 19% higher revenues. They see 9% higher EBITDA levels, um, much higher levels of innovation and uh, more happy, engaged employees. Um, you know, on the, the VC side, um, if you look at the funds that performed in the top quartile in the last 10 years, 69% of them had a woman on their investment committee decision-making team. And so you're starting to see a lot of VCs um, put policies in place that require a diverse member on the investment committee. Um, they're requiring um, diverse representation on the boards of the portfolio companies that they invest in. Um, and I would say we're, we're making progress, you know, in general, uh, women in the last five years, uh, women representation in the C-suite has gone from 17 to 21 percent. In the transportation industry, uh, women are representing 15 percent of the C-suite. So there's still opportunity for us to uh, continue to build out the diverse set in the transportation space. And I see many companies, um, you know, where they had started focusing on building out at the senior levels of leadership, many are now putting policies in place to kind of force um, some targets and goals at that entry-level management uh, position. Yeah, I see a lot of that as well. <clears throat> so, Luann, do you have some additional stats that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I, I think uh, I mentioned a few, but I, I always like to talk about the economic impact women-led companies have because when you're talking to venture firms, really that's why they're in that business is to make money, right? And women-led companies are proven to grow faster, generate higher revenues, have higher stock prices, create more jobs, and have happier employees. And I love that statistic of having happier employees because I think of how that, that solves issues societally. And it, it solves issues not just for women, but for for men and women and people of all colors and, and underrepresented communities to have happier employees. And think about that and, and the positive societal changes that that causes. And from an economic standpoint, it means more productive employees, right? And, and the reason that women tend to have happier employees is that they rank higher in 18 out of 19 of the top leadership skills. And that's a Harvard Business Review study. And some of those include clear communications and empathy um, and listening to your employees and taking that in. And I'm not saying you know, women are better than every man, but those are tend, tend to be skills that come a little more naturally, as well as um, that haven't been valued enough in 
how we've created business over the last 50 years. And so now those are starting to be more valued and seen and anybody can really stoke those qualities of themselves as leaders and, and grow. Um, and I'll, I'll just leave you with um, a very recent study by Foreign Policy, which you can find at, it's called Women as Levers of Change. And they found that the top quartile companies with the highest percentage of women in executive management roles are 47% more profitable than those in the bottom quartile. And if that's not impetus to to create a more diverse team in the exec levels. I don't know what is. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so Luann, I'm gonna stay with you um, for this next question and then Tracy will send it over to you afterwards. Um, can you tell us what you believe are the biggest challenges women face in diversity today? Yeah, I think being given the opportunity in the first place is, is huge. One of the bias issues that I've been researching and has been shown to occur over and over is that men are hired on their potential and women are hired on what they've accomplished so far. So how does a woman move up into a bigger role if she hasn't already done it because she's only being evaluated on what she's already accomplished? And someone looking at her resume and a man's resume that's that's comparable are going to see potential in the man but they won't see that in the woman and and so that's a big thing uh that really needs to be checked in in hiring is that um we recognize that bias in all of us and and move past it and the, the second big issue I see is tokenism and tokenism takes two forms. One, if, if she's a lone woman on say an executive board, a board of directors or, you know, in the C-suite, she is going to be looked to by everyone else as the female voice. And truly any one female is only a representative of a small bit of females, right? That's why we need diversity beyond just gender diversity. Um, and, and if she fails or is not good at one thing, she can tend to be considered like all women are like that because she's the one representative in that position. Uh, the other part of tokenism is that some, some groups will just say that checks the box of our diversity. We have one woman on the team, so we don't need to look past that. And of course that hurts everyone and in, including themselves because one person does not check a diversity box. You really need a, a very robust, diverse team. Exactly. Tracy, do you want to build on that? I would say you, uh, Luann mentioned a couple of times, you know, the, the bias that people have when they're looking at, um, you know, evaluating women for those positions and stuff. And, and I would say, um, you know, I don't think anybody has any kind of, um, intentional, um, tendency to do that, but I think there is a lot of unconscious bias out there. Um, a book that that I just got recommended to me recently is called Think Fast and Slow, and it really examines um, kind of the, the psychological behavioral issues that contribute towards people making those decisions. And it's kind of a, a 
complex and long, dense book, but even in the intro, it, it gives examples on how um, bias affect your decisions every day. So that that's something that um, you might want to look into. Um, you know, but to me, I would say that women are still um, primary caregivers in the majority of cases. And so, you know, workplace culture and environment that support kind of flexibility that are needed for you know, the main caregivers is something that's that's often a challenge. And then, you know, as I talk with women, a lot of times um, they're asking for advice on uh, feeling like they're not being heard in meetings and, and overlooked. And um, so I encourage the, the women groups that I meet with to um, support each other. If they have a, a colleague that's, you know, bringing up an idea in a meeting for them to um, kind of reiterate that point and say, she just made a great great point, this idea has merit because, and and if you're a leader and you see um, that others aren't participating actively, invite them into the conversation and um, help get them, um, their views expressed out in that that team setting. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think it's really important that, that women support each other um, at every opportunity, even when it seems like it might be redundant. It's what's needed at this time to really make change happen in the overall workplace. There have been some studies done, you know, Goldman Sachs recently came out saying that they wouldn't take any company public without having at least one diverse person on the board. And uh, I, just, I, I fear that that's not actually going to be very helpful because just having one diverse person on a board doesn't really change much in the dynamics because to Tracy's point, uh, you're then a lone wolf speaking out. There's no one to back you up. Um, so the studies I've seen say that you need at least three women on a board at any one time for their voices to, for any of their voices to truly be heard. And I'm not saying that they are all agreeing and saying the same thing, but there's just, uh, that ability to back each other up. And so some of these, um, initiatives that seem like they might be a good thing, I, I question how effective they'll be and if they couldn't potentially make the problem worse because of that tokenism, right? If you need to have more than one and um, these women need and um, underrepresented communities and people need to be supported in those roles. So, Luann, maybe you can continue by sharing with us some best practices um, that for both large and small companies. Yeah. So, one of the things I hear a lot um, is it's a pipeline problem, and I hear it in hiring. I hear it in for investing in women-led companies. Everywhere I go, it's like, oh, it's a pipeline problem. There just aren't enough women out there to, to choose from. And I, I agree that that's a small part of the problem. Uh, but that is not the entire problem. And that means that there's a lot more that we can do now. Yes, we need to start early and, and start filling that pipeline earlier. But today I recommend companies question everything that they're doing. And that, that goes from, you know, looking at your company culture, how are you supportive 
of women? How are you supportive of underrepresented individuals? Um, and and it's things like um, having a place where you can uh, pump milk if you've just had a baby. Uh, I actually had to make my own little closet in an underused um, part supply room back when I was working at that aircraft company and there was no lock on the door or anything. And so I had to put a sign up saying, please knock before coming in. And, and those are the things that are really important. So question everything, including how are you writing up your job requisition? Is it written um, in a way that's inclusive? And, and you might not know that because we all have biases. Biases are biological. You know, it's our brains telling us from conditioning from when we're young. And so we're not always even aware of those. And you know, some of the things that are very common, especially in, in startups um, and tech startups in particular, are having kind of cute and clever titles uh, around for their job positions. And you'll see ninja a lot. Like we are, we're looking for a marketing ninja. And a lot of women are turned off by that because they're so ninja tends to have a lot of male connotations. So, um, you know, are you looking at resumes anonymized by name so that you don't know if you're looking at a man or a woman? And just learning about your own biases. So the the bottom line for large and small companies is just question everything you're doing currently if you're not being successful in recruiting diverse teams. For startups, it's it's really important to build that culture from the outset. Um, typically, a, a startup company will not get an HR leader until they have at least 100 employees. And um, you know, by then, culture has already been established. And so I um, encourage the founders to make sure as they're building out their teams to make sure that they're driving that inclusion of diverse backgrounds and genders and skill sets as they build their team initially. And, you know, startups typically don't have a lot of resources. And so I encourage them to really leverage their board to help um, bring in mentors for their teams and to leverage their experiences as they're um, building out their policies and, and helping to create that work culture. Um, for large teams, it's it's really back to leading by example. Um, you've got the ability to help influence those work culture environment kind of things that your team needs. And you know, for example, if you you have an open uh, management position, um, refuse to fill it until your team brings you a diverse slate of candidates. Um, you don't have to fill the position with a diverse candidate, but you do, it's your job to make sure that. Um, the opportunities are being presented and that you've got visibility and that you're you're using that process and that feedback to really um, help develop and, and grow your employees. So Tracy, maybe you can continue and tell us what kind of advice would you give to women today? So for, for women founders, um, I think they're often much more realistic in their growth projections, which I applaud, uh, but I also encourage them to paint the view of what's possible with their company. You know, investors aren't just investing in the company, they're really investing in that uh, you as a leader. And so 
don't undersell your track record. Um, you've got to toot your own horn and, and tell them why they should be investing in you. I think, um, you know, when, when I look at 2019, 20% uh, of the VC deals were done with women founders, but only 12% of the dollars went to those companies. And so I encourage women to, to be bold in asking for uh, the funding that they need for their companies. Um, and then, you know, just for women in general, I, I encourage everybody to build out their networks, either inside your company and outside your company. Um, tell people, eat, eat lunch with someone from a different department every week and go to industry events and, and network with your peers to bring back, you know, the diverse ideas and things that they're doing at their company that's working. Um, you know, and I think, Lori, you've, you had some ideas on, on networks and things that you wanted to share with us as well. Yeah. So for me, I think it's important for women to look uh, for ways to build their network and, and to look at the things that maybe not may not be so completely obvious. So in um, if I go back 10, 15 years, golfing was so predominant and it was always like, well, we're conducting business at golf. Um, and so I'm going to get this deal done when we go for a golf outing. But really what was happening was a lot more networking and building and talking about what kind of um, issues they're having at work and how to solve the problem. And so they're negotiating while they're out there and on the golf course. So it's not just about golf. Um, I, I understand, I personally am not a golfer, so that was always a challenge for me. The time it takes and all of the other things around that were really difficult. So one of the things that I did for myself personally was I created my own personal um, like board of directors. So I went out into the community and I met women who were in a completely different industry than myself, but were at the similar levels. And we get together on a regular basis and we work through what issues are you facing not only at work, but at home as well. And I'll, <clears throat> I'll tell you that there's even times where my husband's like, I don't know how to help you with this problem. Go talk to your women. Go make this work in some other way. Um, but it's really been great for all of us that have participated. And I think that that network and supporting each other is, is really valuable and important. So I I'm fully agree there. Luann, do you have anything you want to add there on advice for women? I've had many heated debates with women in my life about what I'm about to say. Um, we all definitely come at this from a different perspective. Uh, but the bottom line is there's a fine line between living in this world that has truly, especially in business, been designed for men. And that that line of assimilating into that, that world, uh, versus being our authentic selves and changing and shifting that world. So it fits into, um, a world that we can, we can fit in and bring our best selves and the attributes that make us a good leader. And that balance is different for each woman. And, while we're doing that balance, I think it's important to look at like, like you're doing, um, mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in the golf is like, look at the yep. things that men are doing that are successful for them and how, which of those make sense for us to incorporate. And some of those that I think personally make sense is as Tracy mentioned, tooting your own horn. That is something that men do with a plum. They are out there saying, Hey, look what I done. Oh, I can do that. And 
women who are, you know, they, they tend to want to take that. Oh, I don't need credit for that. I'll just sit in the background. You have to claim your credit. You have to claim what you have done because without that, people aren't seeing what you've done it. And then you're not being promoted and, and you're not being seen as a leader. So I truly believe that's something women need to do. The other thing um, is, is going back and, and teaching our girls from a young age that they need to be applying for things that they might not feel qualified to do just yet. Uh, because that's what men do. They will see a job uh, requisition and, and they meet maybe four out of the 10 skill requirements. And they're like, Oh, I could do that job. And they fill out the application and women are like, Oh gosh, I'm missing two of those qualifications. I'm not, I'm not going to apply. And that's part of that pipeline problem, right? Is that women aren't even applying. And so these less qualified men are getting these jobs. And so that's another thing I think we can learn from men to be doing is like, don't underestimate our own potential for, um, for learning quickly and, and succeeding in a job that we might not very specifically be qualified for just yet. Luann, what advice would you give to men? (laughs) I love this question because I'm raising two young men and I often get it because people think that if I'm such a vociferous advocate for women, I must be hurting my boys in some way. And I really just totally disagree with that in that I think with more women in leadership, our society and our economy um, improves for everyone, not just for women. So um, I, my advice for men is just to be open to those positive changes that come with more women involved in, in business and in leadership. So um, the challenge that, that I would give to men would be to um, personally, you know, seek out a diverse team member and sponsor and advocate for them. Um, JP Morgan has a program where their leaders, it's called 35-1, and the leaders will commit to 30 minutes a month um, mentoring, having a session with those high um, potential employees, and then five minutes on recognizing what they've done, and then one minute and sharing that with others. And so making sure, you know, in your position that you're you're giving that recognition out and, and making that visible is a big um, important part. And, and I would just say that framework <clears throat> is... Um, something that can help you be deliberate about uh, participating in supporting diversity efforts. Well, thanks again, both to these lovely ladies, Tracy Black and Luann Abrams for participating with us today on Driving Diversity. 